The following message was given at Grace Community Church in Minden, Nevada. So uh, if you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Join me in prayer, please. Lord, we thank you that we can gather today, God, and uh, be uh, together, Lord, and be together such that we can worship you, Lord, that we can hear other of your saved ones, Lord, worship you today, God, that we can lift up our voice in song, that we can pray, that we can hear your word preached, and we ask your blessing upon this day, Lord, for all of us. We pray, Lord, that you would give us ears, Lord, that would be receptive to what you have for us today. We pray that you would teach us and guide us, Lord. We pray that you would minister, Lord, to our needs, Lord, and to what we need to do also. We ask this time in Sunday school, God, that Jesus Christ would be put on display and glorified. And we pray, God, throughout the day, Lord, that Jesus, Lord, would be who we look to. And we pray this in his name, in Jesus' name, amen. So J.I. Packer writes, he says, uh, evangelism is to present Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to sinful people with the aim that they may come to put their trust in God through him to accept him as their savior and to serve him as their king in the fellowship of the church. It's a nice definition, but a lot of it obviously has the goal of evangelism to it. And really, evangelism is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit. That when we are evangelizing, we really are getting to a point where we are saying something about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of preliminaries to evangelism, a lot of things leading up to evangelism, but evangelism is this. You're telling somebody else about the gospel and about Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians chapter 6, and let's go ahead and we'll just start in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And then he says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Well, one thing that's always interesting is this is Paul asking for prayer to be bold. And so if he needs prayer to be bold, we need prayer to be bold, right? The other thing is, evangelism is just part of what it is for our progressive sanctification. Um, 
oftentimes, I guess, like what Daniel was kidding with Fred about, we, we, it's optional. We can evangelize or not evangelize. If, you're, if you've got the gift of gab, you can evangelize. If you don't, oh well, it's really not what you're called to do. But here, Paul just lists it. He lists it along with things like the shield of faith, the word of God. Right? This evangelism is part of what it is just simply to be a Christian. And it's part of what it is to be uh, growing in grace. It's part of your sanctification. It's part of how we're strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's part of what it is to take the whole armor of God. So the idea that we just are, you know, again, evangel, you know, if prayer, usually if we go, what do you think about your prayer life? Everybody's gonna go, oh, I wish it were better. And evangelism, we kind of think like that too, but even in the lower category. Well, what about evangelism? Oh, I wish I could talk to people. You know, and then we kind of leave it at that. But evangelism isn't optional, and I'm not saying this is a burden. I'm saying that this is part of what it is to be strong in the Lord. This is part of what it is that he's given us of how to persevere, of how to resist the evil one, of how to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just as important as a means of grace as any of the other ones that he listed for us. <coughs> Paul, uh, too, when speaking to... The Philippians, I think it's interesting, uh, Packer says here, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we remember Paul's in prison, and he's in prison for preaching the gospel. He says, yeah, it's been pretty neat, and a lot of people are praying for me, but at the same time, there are a lot of people wanting to add to my burden. And the way they're adding to the, his burden is they're talking about Jesus Christ too. And Paul said, you know what? Either way, Christ is preached, and I rejoice. So he rejoiced that Christians were preaching And he rejoiced that others were preaching, even though they had a bad motive. Why? Well, because it's through the Spirit of God and the Word of God that people are brought to faith. And that should be encouraging for us. One of our fears is, am I going to say the right thing? Can I say it the right way? And all this. And Paul was rejoicing that apparently, if they're not unbelievers, they're believers who are in a really bad place, are telling other people about Jesus. And Paul said, hey, that's a good thing, because the Word of God's going out. And if the word of God's going out, people are going to get saved. So if God can use people with bad motives to preach the gospel, he can use you to preach the gospel. And you don't need to get all stressed out about, well, can I say the right thing? Will I say the right thing? Or all this. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Saved people can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the man from whom the demons had gone out, and, he's, and now he's in his right mind, and he's with Jesus and he's begging him. And he says, can I please go with you? Please, can I go with you? And Jesus answers. He says, no. He goes, return home and declare how much God has done for you. And it says, and he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This is what it is to evangelize. It's to tell people, this is what Jesus has done. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has done for me. So those of us who uh, came to faith after walking in darkness we, um, we know what this is like. We know what it's like to go, I was, I, was, I was in darkness, I was living my life this way, and God saved me. And probably for every one of us, most of us anyway, that had that experience, you know that right away you started to tell people about Jesus. I, had, um, I was 19, I hitchhiked across country, I came to faith. Now, this was way before internet or anything like that, and long distance was even expensive. So what I'm doing, I'm writing letters to my family. I'm writing letters nonstop. 
Jesus is the Lord. You can know Jesus. You can be saved. I wrote them so much that they got sick of it, right? And, um, but that's how it is. I remember when Liz's uh, mom came to faith and um, Brian said, I, I bet Liz's mom heard the gospel the very first day. Like Liz got saved on Friday night and Saturday morning her mom's hearing the gospel. And Liz is gone. That's exactly how it happened, right? Because it's just what is what it is. You know I was dead in trespasses and sins and you know you were alive. And there's this excitement and there's this joy and there's this desire to, uh, to tell people about Jesus Christ. Uh, David will say, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with the willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud your righteousness. So again, David now here is... Um, He's already saved, falls into grievous sin, and he's praying, God, God, bring me back to that sense of assurance, and boy, I'll tell other people how good you are, right? So there's a sense of just the wonder of having our sins forgiven, and of course, being who we are and how we are and living in the, uh, you know, this present evil age and battling with the flesh and all this kind of stuff, that we that we can lose the uh, excitement of that to some degree, or maybe the intensity, or maybe just the wonder of it can wear off over time, and we can start to like not tell people so much as we did at one time about Jesus. But it's all, the personal motivation is always the same. I'm saved. I'm saved and I know the one who can save me. Right? I, I don't need any other motivation to tell somebody about Jesus Christ than this. I was dead in trespasses and sins, and now I'm alive. And I know who did that, and I can tell you about it. So when we were having our panel, one of the things that came up was, what about people who aren't, uh, you know, talking a lot about Jesus or whatever? And one of the pastors uh, referred something to people's personality. Yeah, no, well, it, it was a decent enough answer. But, you know, the idea that your personality should dictate, and I don't think he meant this, but... Uh, dictate whether you, you're really out there with the go- you know, uh, preaching the gospel. And I want to say your personality really doesn't matter very much at all. Excuse me. <coughs> I, um, I can't stand talking to people that I don't know. <laughs> so, and I don't mean it's just a little uncomfortable. I mean it's terrifying, right? I just, I cannot stand it. And my wife, of course, is so outgoing, and she'll introduce me to people, and then she'll see somebody else and walk away. <laughs> I'm like, oh. So now I have a deal. She'll go, I want to go introduce you to someone. Only if you stay there with me. <laughs> you, know? right? you cannot leave. You can't see somebody else and go away. You know? uh, it, that's not an impediment to telling people about Jesus Christ. I have told hundreds of people about Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that like it's a big deal. I'm saying it like this. I know how terrified I am to talk to people. And if God can use me, he can use you. Okay, I'm willing to bet no matter how shy you are, I probably beat you. Or if I don't beat you, I'm very close, right? And yet I, by God's grace, have just talked to hundreds of people about Jesus Christ. Because your personality or your shyness is irrelevant. It just really doesn't matter. 
You know, it matters in the sense of if we give place to it, but we don't have to give place to it. So Ingrid used to um, coordinate these huge camping trips up at Fallen Leaf Lake when our kids were little, and we'd get all kinds of people from the church who would come up, and it would be fun. You'd have hundreds of kids, it seemed like, and all this. And one time, I'm walking around the campground late at night, and this guy has out his telescope, and I ask him what he's doing, and it was one of those times where, if you're an astronomer, it was a big deal because these certain planets are lining up, you know. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I go, we got like about 300 kids. Can they come by and take a look at this, you know? He's like, sure, bring them by, you know? So all the kids from the campground come by, and this guy's explaining these planets are lining up, what you're looking for as you look through there, and all this. And of course, the parents are there too. And I'm kind of standing there, and I'm thinking, I hope somebody tells this guy about Jesus. <laughs> Yeah. I hope one of these outgoing people tell this guy about Jesus, right? And there were a bunch of people, and everybody's real nice and real polite. Thank you so much, thank you so much, thank you so much. And the line's dwindling. And I'm going, are you going to have some, God, are you going to have somebody tell this guy about Jesus? <laughs> there are not many more adults in this line, you know, who's, I hope. And then it's like, you're not going to have me do this, are you? I Oh, you're not going to do this, right? I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk to this guy. You know, I got everybody over here. I did my job, you know? Have somebody that's outgoing. And then it's like, okay, please, 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 please give me the right words to say. Help me say the right thing. Help me, please, just give me the right thing to say. And then finally, it's like, God, I pray for this guy's soul. I pray that he would come to know you. So go through all that. Well, of course, that takes the... You know, it doesn't take that much time in your mind, but nevertheless, the panic's real. And God has me in that position. I'm the last one there. And I'm thinking, it would be so weird if this guy doesn't hear the gospel after all these Christians have walked by him, right? And, uh, and again, I just want to let you know, I'm terrified. I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. God, please don't have me do this. But it was more important Right? And that overrode my fear. It was just simply more important that that guy heard, especially in light of all these people uh, you know, who were Christians. And so I, I go, I said, thanks a lot. That was really cool. And talked to him a little bit and asked him about his astronomy and all this kind of stuff. And I said, do you know that you can know the one who made those planets? Which at the time I'm thinking, wow, that was a pretty cool. <laughs> you know, Thank you, God. That was really cool. And he looks at me and goes, what? <laughs> and I said, uh, you can know the one who made the planets and the stars. He goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, that line didn't go over very well. <laughs> I said, uh, God made the planets. God made the stars, and you can know God. And I started to share the gospel with him. Right? And, and I have no idea, right? Sharing the gospel pretty much is, is sowing seeds, uh, I have had just a few occasions where I've seen the fruit of the gospel. I've had a, a couple times where somebody is actually, what can I do to be saved, right? And I've had other times where people will express a real strong desire and then they'll ask you about church. But by and large, it's a sowing seed kind of ministry and you don't see the fruit of it and you walk away and you go, I wonder, did I say the right thing? Did I do it the right way? But the important thing is to do it. Right? The important thing is to tell people. Uh, I know the Lord used that in that guy's life. 
how he used it, I'm not sure of, but I know that he used it. And I know that the Lord was pleased to use me. And really, probably more pleased to use me than to use somebody who was really outgoing at that point. And why is that? Well, who gets the glory? Right? God gets the glory. You know, I can't go, hey, I'm just so, such a gregarious individual. I'm so winsome, you know, and God uses me. It's like, that guy's a bump on the log and God uses him, you know. Well, I say that to encourage you, and I really mean it. If God can use me, and he has, he can use you. Don't buy into the fear that I'm shy or even the idea that I don't know that I have the right words to say. You do have the right words to say. We don't have to, we, uh, as this uh, series goes on, we will um, you know, branch off into apologetics and things like that. They're, they're good, they're a tool. They're not necessary to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to feel, feel like you have the answer to everybody's question. Some Christian out there has the answer to that guy's question. I may not be the one, but if I'm standing in front of him, what I do know that I have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I can tell, I mean, I can tell him, right? So uh, evangelism, again, because we're excited about Christ and our salvation, and, uh, you know, and really that our, our witness doesn't come from just some slavish fear of, okay, got to. Uh, you know, on the one hand, we read out of Ephesians, there's a sense where Christians, you know what, we're told to put on the whole armor of God and that's part of it. And, uh, you know, but there's another part of we're in Jesus Christ. We've got the whole armor of God. These things are always encouraging for us. You know, uh, the imperatives in, in the scriptures for the Christian are always based on the indicatives. We are someone. Therefore, we can do these things. We're not doing these things in order to become someone. We're doing these things because we already are someone. We're doing these things because we already are the children of God. Because we are the children of God, we can bear testimony uh, to our Father. So Joel Beakey, and just gleaning from Calvin, uh, he finds these reasons, he says, for why we must evangelize. And the first one is, he says, because God commands us. He said, we should remember that the gospel is preached not only by the command of Christ, but at his urging and leading. We were in, uh, Al and I were in talking to the kids in juvie the other day and using, uh, felt, you know, the uh, passage out of Corinthians, ambassadors for Christ, and um, explaining to them what an ambassador is. And, uh, and then I said, well, here's the thing. Al and I, I go, not, not really good ambassadors if you're just looking at the outward thing, and yet God has us here talking to you. And I said, and here's the amazing thing. The God who created everything, the God who doesn't need anything at all, tells us to be his ambassadors and we come to you. And what does he say to do? That we're to beg you to be reconciled to God. Now, God's not saying like beg, like please, 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 I need you here. But beg you, don't continue down this road that you're going. Don't continue there. Please stop. You know, please open up your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. God has you as ambassadors for him. And we are to go around, in that sense, begging people that they don't continue on the broad road to destruction, that they turn, that, that they turn to Jesus Christ. And I mean, God, by his spirit, will put you in situations and he will enable you to have the right things to say. And even at times, if you're like, wow, gee, I just don't feel so excited about the gospel, it's hard not to get excited when you're telling somebody, God is having me 
come to you to beg you to be reconciled to him. I, I mean, at the time when I'm talking to those kids, all of a sudden, I'm getting excited, right? I mean, my goosebumps, you know, I'm like, wow, I, like, I really want to tell them. You know, I really want these kids to know. So, again, don't let your um, sense of inadequacy dictate. Uh, if you're here and you're a Christian, you are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you talk, you know, all kinds of things will happen, but one of the things that will happen is God will just simply make you excited about talking to people as you're talking to them. So, uh, Beaky again, uh, coming, uh, gleaning from Calvin, God leads us by example. He says, like our gracious God who wooed us, we must have our arms extended as he has towards those outside of him. Jesus Christ has his arms extended. He did to us. Uh, again, whether, whether your testimony is I grew up in a Christian home, I always heard about Jesus, or whether your testimony is like mine, I was, I was just a, I was an evil, wicked person and God saved me, right? Uh, his arms were ex- extended to you. Every one of us has this testimony. I was lost and now I'm found, right? The, the, the one who created everything did not come to serve himself, but to seek and save me. And, and he did that out of love for me. Uh, you know, we will spend all day today, um, you know, being grateful and magnifying the grace of God in our life because he loves us. He loves us. So the other thing, we want to glorify God. And I think that's where Paul's at in Ephesians. If you go, well, I don't always feel like I want to glorify God. Here, well, here are the things that he gives us to do. Here are the means of grace that we practice and one of them is telling people about Jesus Christ. We want to please God. We have a heavenly Father. We don't merit anything, but he's certainly pleased uh, when we trust him and obey him. And again, for those of you who are like me, probably no bigger way of trusting than simply go up to somebody and open up your mouth. Uh, because again, it's, just, it's a terrifying thing to do in, in yourself, right? So we have a duty to God. We've been bought with a price, and therefore we are to glorify God in our body. He goes on, we have a duty to our fellow sinner. God cannot be sincerely called upon by other than those to whom through the preaching of the, uh, the, preaching of the gospel comes. <clears throat> His kindness and gentle dealings have to become known. Now, God could save somebody. He did, the Apostle Paul. You know, how many other people in the immediate direct revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, probably none, at least none other recorded in Scripture. So what's the normal means of grace? You're the normal means of grace. You're the ones he has telling people about Jesus Christ. They need to hear. People need to hear the gospel. It's talking with, um, I think it was uh, Pastor Elliot, and talking about how uh, down in Riverside, of course, it's a city. It's not all like here. But more and more and more, you encounter people who just have simply not even heard about Jesus, which is an amazing thing. Okay, because I'm like almost 70 years old. My generation, everybody heard about Jesus. When I, when I was growing up and when I became a Christian, I met over that course of time two people who had, you know, never heard about Jesus. I was amazed. You've never heard about Jesus? And Robert's saying, well, now a lot of people, have, you know, you talk to them, they're like, I don't know what churches are all about except for that they hate people and I don't know anything about Jesus. Well, they need to hear about Jesus. We need, we need to tell them about Jesus. And then he goes on, we're grateful to God. Nothing could be more inconsistent concerning the nature of faith 
than that deadness which would lead a man to disregard his brethren, brethren and keep the light of knowledge in his own breast. That's a hard saying. Uh, again, because we, a lot of us, if we don't evangelize, it's because we feel insecure or we feel, um, you know, shy or whatever like that. So we would go, no, I, I'm, it's not that I don't love people. I'm just really, really uncomfortable around them, right? Well, Calvin said, ah, better check that. Okay, it's okay to be shy. I've spent my whole life being shy. It's okay to be shy. It's not okay to not tell people about Jesus Christ. And it's not okay to listen to the lies of the enemy that says, because I'm shy, I don't need to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. That's something different. And at that point, I need to start thinking, why? Why am I reluctant to obey my Heavenly Father? Why am I so willing to let my flesh dictate how I should live rather than let the Spirit of God dictate how I would live? Now, I know this can come across really hard, and I don't mean it like that. I I wish you could, not not for real, I don't wish for real you could get inside my brain because that would be scary, but I wish you could get inside my brain just to know that I'm being so honest with you when I say it is so hard to talk to people that I don't know. And yet I've been able to tell just a whole bunch of people about Jesus. Because if he can use me, he can use you. He can use you. All of you guys are way nicer people than I am, right? I mean, so if he can use me, he can use you. And you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to give place to that fear any more than anything else in our Christian life where, where we're called to do something and there's that hesitancy because of the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And after a certain point in time, we go, oh, okay, I don't need to give place to the flesh here. And, and you find that, okay, you don't. And by the power of God, through his spirit, you actually walk in faithful obedience and it's not a works righteousness thing. It's not a legalist thing. It's not just as, oh, I have to do a thing. It is the freedom that comes from being a child of God. Okay, and everyone here knows that experience. I'm just telling you, you can, you can extrapolate from whatever area that you've seen God work in your life and extrapolate that to telling people about Jesus Christ and go, if God could do that in that uh, aspect of my life, he could, if he could make it so that I wasn't angry here, if he could make it so that I didn't do this, if he could make it so that I was this, if he could make it so I was that, he can make it so that you can open up your mouth and tell people about Jesus Christ and do it in a way that you'll have joy too. So in the letter uh, to the Ephesians, Paul speaks to the church, and so here's who you are. You're God's consecrated people. Uh, You're his saints. You're his purchased possession. You're God's sons. You're those whom God has made peace with. You're those who are reconciled to God. You are those who are members of his household. You are the beloved children of God. You are heirs with Jesus Christ. You're citizens of his kingdom. You're united with Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. You are the the temple of the Lord. You are the bride of Christ. You are part of the new creation. That's worth telling people about um, because that's who you are. Again, you're not evangelizing in order to become any of that. You are that. So how do you you become a, a better evangelist? Get excited about the fact that your sins are forgiven. Get excited about the fact that you can call God your father. 
that you are a child of God. Get excited, get excited about what the Bible tells you to be excited about. I, I can be an ambassador and, and urge people to be reconciled because I've been reconciled, right? Because that's, I am, who are you, Charlie? I am a reconciled one, right? For, for whatever flaws or whatever sins I still carry around, here's my identity. I am a reconciled to God one, and that's who you are. And to get excited about this, right? To, to understand this is how God wants me to go through this life in the, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what is that other than understanding he wants me to go through life believing that I am his child, that my sins are no longer a barrier, that I'm not an enemy. I'm more than a friend. I belong to his family. You know, that's why we come to church in some part, right? We want to be built up. You know, when we hear the preaching today, when Daniel preaches, you know, part of what God's doing is get excited. Now, I, you know, again, Charlie, you don't look like you're very excited. Granted, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying more on the inside, okay? Uh, excited about who you are in Jesus Christ so that it begins to dictate how you live your life right? You don't have to be full of exuberance and all this, you know, running about like that, but you do need to be like this. This is what, this is what dictates my life, the Word of God, and, and, and this is why I do what I do and why I don't do what I don't do, uh, because of the Word of God. So the salvation of souls, uh, the work of evangelism, again, it's God's work, but he's pleased to use the instrumentality of people's voices. I, you know, we pray. Paul's asking people, pray. Prayer is a huge, huge part of it. Big part of it. Part of it. Got to open up your mouth. You got to tell people about Jesus. You're just an instrument. There, there's just a lot of freedom in realizing, yeah, I'm just an instrument. I just need to open up my mouth, right, and let, let God do what he's going to do. So Calvin, the gospel does not fall from the clouds like rain. Rather, it is brought by the hands of men to where God has sent it. That, and we'll go into this a little bit, but that's another thing. God, God's using you and using you in a particular way, and you can just be comforted in that. There's so much freedom in just simply realizing I'm not earning anything. I'm not earning God's pleasure. I'm not doing anything. I already am pleasing to God. Uh, amazingly. Well, because of Jesus Christ. So, so my freedom in this is like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing these things. And it's not up to me to convert that person either. And we'll, we'll get more into that a little bit. But anyway, in uh, John, Jesus says to them, uh, again, peace uh, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I'm sending you. Now, of course, the immediate context is the apostles, but nevertheless, extrapolating that to the, to the rest of the church, God is sending you. This is what Jesus is doing. He's, send, he's sending his people out. Some will be more gifted than others, no doubt, right? No doubt there are people who are called, in some sense, to reach huge numbers of people. Uh, we've got people in our congregation every, every time we pray corporately, uh, you know, Bob or Phil is going, oh, I just talked to, you know, 300 people last week. Let's pray for them, right? And, and they go, okay, that's a gift, right? No, no doubt about it, you know? But 
<coughs> How many people come into our life, right? We, we can be, well, I talked to one. I talked to one guy last week. God's, God's sending us, right? And uh, it's a ministry of continuation. It's the Father's ministry. It's, this is an amazing thing. The Father sends the Son, and now the Son's sending us, right? It's a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. What a glorious thing to think about. When I'm sharing the gospel with Jesus Christ, I'm doing nothing less than continuing the ministry of Jesus Christ who was sent from the Father. What a, what a blessing, I mean, to look at it that way. <clears throat> Calvin uh, saw our proclamation of the gospel as part of what it is entailed in our being made priest unto God. Again, it's part of our sanctification. It's part of who we are in Jesus Christ. Um, and for Calvin, he saw that evangelism reflected the, uh, Christ's offices of prophet, priest, and king, uh, which, which, you know, were the, uh, the dominion command in, uh, Revel, in Genesis is fulfilled in Christ in his church and the command to go out and make disciples of all men. All right? the, the earth, and you have this in the earth, is going to be filled with the glory of God okay? because it's going to be filled with all kinds of saved people right? everywhere. Right? So, so we're, we're, again, we are reflecting and uh, we are... Uh, in this sense, okay, doing, it, we are, uh, by our ministry, we're not, we are both telling people about Jesus Christ and showing, showing people Jesus Christ. So again, whatever else it entails, it's, uh, uh, Christ's ministry to the church is incarnational. He came embodied. Impossible for us to have a salvation apart from an embodied Savior, which means almost all of our ministry takes place in the context of embodiment, Right? And apart from embodiment, it's really not, not going to happen. And evangelism is one of these things. Yes, there's prayer. You've got to talk to people. Okay? No evangelism apart from actually talking to a, a human being face-to-face. Right? Uh, again, I guess maybe in some limited context, okay, with the internet and all this kind of stuff now, but, but it is a talking to people. And it's talking to people, you know, for the most part, face-to-face. Again, God will give you all kinds of different opportunities. This isn't, and when we go further in this, especially when we get to the two ways to live, it's kind of interesting. The two ways to live people uh, don't look at um, what we would call street evangelism or just talking to somebody cold. That's not their goal. Their goal with the two ways to live is that you would talk to your family, you would talk to friends, and you would talk to, uh, you know, your neighbors. And for them, uh, talking to somebody cold on the street is just practice. They, th- they think that's easy. Hey, let's practice by talking to somebody you don't know so that you can eventually get to talking to some- somebody that you do know. They're Australians, so maybe they're like the Scottish people. Like <laughs> Pastor Elliot was saying, they, they like bumping people, so for them maybe it's easy to talk to strangers and harder to talk to friends. Of course, I think for most of us, talking to to strangers is harder, but evangelism is not simply talking to strangers. It's talking to friends, talking to families, talking to people who just simply come into your life. Right? And, and, and again, I, I, I've said this before, Ingrid and I carry tracks in our cars, on the, by the front door, uh, on our person, because tracks are a pretty easy way uh, to at least get the opportunity to start to talk to somebody. And if they take your track, all the better. 
And if they stop and talk to you, they're fine. And we do that with not just on the street. I mean, people come by. We had to have our car towed. And we're giving it to the tow guy. You know, hey, how's it going? Hard day for you. You're out working hard. Thanks a lot for coming here. You know, oh, by the way, you know, have you ever heard of Jesus Christ? I've got something for you to read. Would you like to read it? You know, and they're like, sure, we'll read it. You know? And sometimes that works into talking to them more, and sometimes that's that. You know? But God brings, for all of us here, you, you know, and again, I'm not saying this to get down. I'm not. I really am saying that if I can do it, you can do it. If God can move me to do it, he can move you to do it. You have plenty of opportunities, more than what we think, and to tell people about Jesus. They're not all going to be full-blown. I got to talk to that guy for a half an hour. You know, a lot of them won't be like that, you know, but take advantage by God's grace of the opportunity that you do have. So again, evangelism is speaking words specifically. We give out tracts, but man, I'm telling you too, I'm like, boom, I'm trying to get this out. It's about Jesus Christ, it's about eternal life. He died on the cross, you know, we're, you know as much as I can get in, I'm trying to get in in those times. That's, that's like, you know, guerrilla warfare, or whatever you want to put it. It's like, I'm seeing this guy, I got maybe two minutes, you know. I am, I'm telling him as much as I can that he'll let me tell him in two minutes, right? Other, other, other times people are like, hey, that's, yeah, my mom used to go to church. What's that all about anyway, you know? And, and, and you tell them. But it is telling people about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, you've got to get to that point. Now, with friends and family and coworkers, you, there is a way to work up to stuff like that, right? Uh, again, going into the prisons and in the, um, the juvie with Al Akins for years, when we finally got to go into the juvie, Al had retired from there. That was what he did for a job. His testimony working in there is the best testimony of any Christian ever in the history of the world, as far as I can tell. Everybody loves Al, and everybody's happy to see Al. And when the day Al retires, his boss says, hey, Al, why don't you, you can come start church in here now, because I know you've wanted to do that, but you could never do it because, you know, it's against the law. But now that you're not employed here, why don't you start church? And we walk in, and everybody's, ow, ow, ow. The kids that he locks up, ow, hey, ow, you know. Everybody loves Al, you know. He, he was telling me, we're walking out one day, yeah, I just, you know, because he, he had been working. He goes, yeah, I just had to put that kid down, man. He goes, I had to knock him down and put my knee on his back and like subdue him and all this. And that kid's like, hey, Al, oh, good to see you. <laughs> and and uh, so there's time, you know, God gives opportunity in all of our life to be a good witness in part so that we can witness, Right? I mean, if Al had been a jerk, it's like, okay, you're retired. Hope we don't see you anymore. Being such a great guy, it's like, please come here. Please come here. And I mean, they go out of their way to help us, right? Because he's got just this wonderful testimony. Well, your coworkers the same, you know? We're, we're to be nice. We're to be nice to our neighbors. We're to be nice to our neighbors because we're supposed to just be nice. It's supposed to be genuine. But being nice to your neighbors is also a good way to eventually get to tell them, about Jesus Christ. And not every conversation will be about Jesus, but at least one conversation will be about Jesus. Right? They, it may, the doors may shut almost immediately, but you, you had opportunity and you did tell them. And, and hopefully you get more than one opportunity. Okay, again, it's presenting Christ uh, 
to the people by the power of the Spirit. And this is, these things are so freeing. When I first came to Christ, we were in a, a parachurch ministry, young people, and our, we were out on the streets doing street witnessing all the time. And I thought I just had to do it, you know, and I had to say the right words. I had to say it the right way. And just so much stress and so much guilt, like, oh, I probably didn't say that the right way. Oh, I probably said the wrong thing. Oh, I didn't have the right answer. I, you need to be prepared, don't get me wrong, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? I don't need to stress about all that stuff. There are people out there that I will talk to who are smarter than me, and oh, well, that's the way it goes, you know? If they want to argue, they're going to argue. There are people who are just going to be obstinate, but you, you, you don't need to be intimidated by that. There are times where you just go, okay, thanks for your time, you know, and you walk away, and it's kind of like, okay, bummer, you know? Uh, but... Again, to be able to just have the freedom where it's like, okay, that wasn't up to me to save that person. God didn't ask me to convert anybody. He just told me to tell them about Jesus, right? So again, lifestyle evangelism, it's important, but it's not in and of itself evangelism. Our neighbor was uh, moved in. She's like a kind of hostile atheist and stuff, and but we got to know her and all this kind of stuff, and she calls up, and she goes, oh, my, this is up in Tahoe, oh, my cat's up the tree, and we'll come down. Okay, I'll be right over. It's a pine tree in Tahoe. I mean, it's 500 feet high, you know? And so I get my longest ladder, and I am, I mean, I am up on the top rung, reaching up to this branch to try to get this cat, which I know will eventually come down, right? But the ladies panic, so I, I'm, I'm getting the cat. So finally, the cat climbs down, boom, 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 you know? And then we're talking to her, and something comes up about Jesus. Oh, Christians are just, you know, you guys are always so, you know, you're just nasty people, and da-da-da-da-da. I said, yeah, we're the kind of people who be at home relaxing and come out in the snow and put up a 24-foot ladder and lean it against a tree to get your cat out. And she goes, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we are friends, and we t- exchange Christmas cards, I think, to this day, right? And uh, she, she's not saved, but we got to share the gospel with her, right? Because lifestyle evangelism is part of evangelism. Right? Here's the other thing, and this, uh, this is, to me, this was a game changer. I evangelize because of election. What, what a freeing thing. What, what a wonderfully freeing thing to know uh, the doctrines of grace, and that that motivates you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, John Bunyan writing on John uh, seven thirty seven, the verse, all that the Father has given me will come to me. And then he titles his manuscript, come and welcome to Jesus Christ. Well, that's hard to even say without breaking down. All that the Father has given me will come to me. And he goes, oh, you know what that sounds like to me? Going out in the world and saying, come and welcome to Jesus Christ. We believe in the providence of God. We believe God's sovereign. If you're talking to somebody, it's not an accident. That doesn't mean that that person's going to be saved, but it does mean that God has you there at that time, and he's going to use you. You don't need to be afraid. The doctrine of election is, to me, probably the most freeing doctrine when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because I realize I don't have to save anybody. I don't have to have the perfect answer. 
I, I try to have good answers, right? I, I try to have, but I, I, you know, I don't, have to, I don't have to say it exactly the right way. I don't have to be the exact right personality. I don't have to do anything other than simply be obedient to Jesus Christ because he's the one who's going to save his people. It, he will not lose a single one. If I talk to somebody uh, uh, about Jesus and I, you know, don't say it the right way, okay, I may take the lesson, okay, I need to study more. I, ne- I need to, you know, be, be better prepared. But what I'm not afraid of is that that guy's lost because of me. He, Jesus saves people. Uh, Charlie's never saved anyone, including himself. You will never save anyone. But Jesus will save his people. And he'll use instruments like us. And it's so freeing to know, I don't have to have it together to tell people about Jesus Christ. So the other thing is it gives me great hope, right? I I know that, uh, okay, again, not everybody I talk to is going to be saved. But I certainly think God's not in the business of wasting, and of course he wouldn't waste time, even the person that's not saved, God's not wasting his time. But what I mean like this Eventually, God's going to have me talk to somebody that he is going to use it so that that person becomes saved, right? I, I mean, I don't think I'm going to go through my whole life talking to everybody I share the gospel with it was just to harden their heart more. I, I, I think there are those that God's had me talk to, Jesus, uh, talk to them about Jesus Christ because God's working in their life. And again, I, I may never see it. There are people who told me about Jesus and had no clue that I came to Christ. In heaven, they'll be really happy, right? And, and for us too, right? So the election is just such a freeing doctrine. I know sometimes, well, if you believe in election, then why even evangelize? It's like, if I believe in election, then how can I not evangelize, right? It's, it's, it's like it totally sets me free to evangelize. Um, so again, when I, when I was first a Christian, and this is just piggybacking on that, I, I didn't understand grace. I, I thought you could lose your salvation. I thought uh, salvation was basically volitional regeneration. You, you change, change your will, or somebody changes your will. And so I would evangelize like that. I would evangelize in this poignant way to try to get them to make a decision. And uh, again, I'm sure God used all that kind of stuff, but man, what a weight. What a burden. And, and evangelism was never fun or never enjoyable. It was just, okay, I'm more discouraged now than when I started kind of thing, you know. But again, the Lord knows who are, the, uh, who are his. Uh, it's just really, is a, it's just such a wonderful freedom, you know, to know that you can preach the, the gospel freely. <clears throat> so again, I think the other thing, and I, I've touched on this for me, then that helped me understand that I'm in the sowing seed business. I'm not in the saving business. Right, it's 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 again. It's neat to go. You know, I, I'm sure God's going to use that, and and be able to 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 walk away. Right, you know, because sometimes, and I've done this. I imagine some of you. I've not talked to people. Not, not did I not did I like talk to them and go. Oh, I really butchered that. That would have probably been better. It's like oh, I'm going to butcher that, so I'm not going to talk to anybody. Right. Uh, well, you don't need to have that fear. You, you cannot possibly butcher it enough so that God will not save one of his elect, okay? I, I, I mean, there's nothing you can do to thwart God's purpose in election. So you don't need to be afraid of it, 
Okay, you, you can just, you can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not get, uh, you know, discouraged if you don't see immediate fruit. Yeah. So, Calvin again, talking about the door metaphor, he says the meaning of the metaphor being a door is that an opportunity of promoting the gospel had presented itself. For as an opportunity of entering is furnished when the door is open, so the servants of the Lord make advances when an opportunity is presented. Then listen to this. The door is shut when no prospect of usefulness is held out. Now as on the door being shut, it becomes us to enter upon a new course rather than by further efforts to weary ourselves to no purpose by useless labor. So where an opportunity presents itself of edifying, let us consider that by the hand of God a door is open for us in introducing Christ there. And let us not withhold compliance and, uh, and, you know, from God. So, big quote. He's just saying this. As you're evangelizing, sometimes it's gonna, people are going to be receptive and sometimes they're not. And when they're receptive, take advantage of the opportunity. And when they're not, don't weary yourself in useless labor. There comes a point where you just go, hey, thanks for your time. And you, and you walk away, and God will open up a, another opportunity for you. Uh, that's not so hard to do with people you don't know. Sometimes with people you know, that's harder. Okay? Again, when I first came to Christ, my family got sick of me. Every single letter was about Jesus Christ and salvation. Well, eventually I kind of tempered that. There was a lot of zeal without knowledge, right? Uh, so there would have been a lot of fruitless labor if I'm just constantly trying to force something that's, that God's not, in that sense, opening up the door, right? So again, there's freedom in that. God opens up the opportunities. He will take the opportunity just as far as he is going to take the opportunity. And if the thing closes, at least from our perspective, it just is. Just, just move on. Just say thanks a lot and, and go do something else and, you know, Hopefully, somebody else will come in your life and you, and, and you get to share the gospel with them. Or maybe it's, it's just like, okay, again, if it's friends or family, different tact. You know, okay, maybe I've got to uh, reevaluate exactly how I'm going about this. But again, there's freedom to think God's in control of all of this. God's in control of all this. If the guy gets angry at me and yells at me, uh, okay. But, you know, in a way, so what? You know? I don't, that's, that's not going to stop me from telling the next person about Jesus. And it's not going to stop me from maybe telling that person about Jesus again in another, at another time in another context. So, the prophet Isaiah, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes from my, uh, from my mouth. <laughs> It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. What an encouragement, right? And and of course, Isaiah's thing is in the context of the forgiveness of sins, that that your sins can be forgiven. And uh, and Isaiah, uh, you know, it's kind of neat. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts for his heavens are higher than the earth, so God's ways higher than our ways. The context of that is the forgiveness of sins. 
Right? It's, not, it's not just that God's smarter than me. Obviously, he's smarter than me. It's that we can't comprehend. You can forgive my sins. Oh, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are greater than your thoughts. And don't worry. The word that goes out from my mouth, it'll accomplish everything that I said to do. All right. Well, ending a little bit early, but let's end. Lord, uh, again, we thank you for today, and thank you for the time that you've given us, and we pray that your people would be built up in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that Christ would be magnified above all else. We pray that as we go through this series, Lord, we would be encouraged, uh, Lord, and not discouraged, but we would be encouraged with who we are in Jesus Christ. And uh, Lord, again, we pray for your blessing. Uh, Lord, with the preaching of your word coming up, God, open up your people's ears. Bring in people who don't know you, and we pray today would be the day of salvation for them. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of minutes, if somebody's got questions, I'll try to answer. Yeah. Oh, so Don's question is, if we're evangelizing, we tell people about the Father, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, should we use the term Yahweh? I don't think you have to. Uh, you can, but then you have to explain to them exactly what you mean. Uh, well, because if I go Yahweh, people are going to go, what? Right? So just however you want to, just be prepared to give the answer and explain it in a way so that you're not distracting from the purpose of preaching the gospel of Jesus to them. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, we've got tracks available. So we've got two ways to live tracks available. Um, and I think we've got some other ones. So some of them are out on the bookshelf. If you can't find them, get in touch with me. I can get you some tracks because we've got some in the office. And we'll, and we'll get more. Two ways to live are great. Romans Road is okay. Uh, Romans Road, when you get to the end, it kind of just talks about faith without repentance. You, you always want, if you're getting to talk to people, fill in, right? Don't, don't just read it if you can. So t- tell them, you know, faith and repentance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, oh, there's another one, Navigators with the, with the chasm and, you know, man on one side, God on the other. It has a little picture. So again, I'm not so into the Navigators explanation, but that's okay. You can use the picture and you tell them, right? You explain the gospel to them, right? So there, we, we've got tracks, so we can get tracks to you guys. Anybody else? Yeah. Okay, uh, me personally, I th- the idea of obedience because of what Christ has done for me. So not a slavish obedience, but the idea that, that he really has done something for me. And then for me, again, personally, it, it, it's just this. I actually know that I'm given, I, I know because I am so terrified, right, that I'm just giving place to my flesh. And so there's a part of it that just realizes that this is a battle for me. And at this point, I either yield to my flesh or I, or I yield to God. Yeah, actually I have. I don't go into big apologetics with teenagers. And I, I actually try not to go into big, as we're, we're going to have a whole series on apologetics. Yeah, I don't do that too much. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I don't go into big apologetics with kids. Teenagers, they know more than you do, one, okay? So try, just try, try and convince them of anything is like, okay, why bother? Because now, now, now you're way off on this tangent that they're not going to get off on, right? So if I start to do something that's just all apologetics with teenagers, in my, 
experience. It's, it's, it's almost a complete waste of time. Okay? So I tried to get to the gospel. I tried to talk to them. And it, it's different at different times, different things. So, okay, sin, they can kind of relate to, but then I go, but you know what it's like. If I talk about sin, you know what it's like to have somebody lie to you. You know what it's like to have somebody hurt you. You know what it's like to have somebody do something bad to you. And they all go, yeah, I totally do. And I go, that was sin. And guess what? I sin and you sin too. So I do, that is one thing that I found effective. If I just go, you know, and I do say, we've all sinned and sin is this. Every single bad thing you've ever thought of, ever, ever done, right? But then with kids, a lot of times I will try to get it so that they're understanding, oh yeah, so, you know, I know what it's like to be hurt. And then when I say, well, that was sin, and so now when I'm talking about you sinning, you know what I'm talking about. And then, and then, and then I go, but the big deal, for how big of a deal it is when somebody hurts me or hurts you, the bigger deal is this. That sin was against God. And there's nothing you can do to fix that. Right? And I, I, so I try to keep it pretty simple. I really do. All right, well, thanks so much for your kind attention. I really appreciate it. We hope that you were edified by this message. For additional sermons, as well as information on giving to the ministry of Grace Community Church, please visit us online at gracenevada.com. That's gracenevada.com.